Welcome to The Power of Stories, a podcast by women, about women, and for women. Their voices and their stories. I am Sharon Catherine D'Agostino, a passionate advocate for the empowerment of women and girls everywhere and the founder of SayItForward.org. And I'm Yodit Kifle-Smith, a creative dedicated to making sure the voices and stories of women are heard. I have the privilege of working with Sharon on SayItForward.org to do just that. In this podcast, you will meet courageous women from around the world whose unique path to empowerment will leave you encouraged and inspired. We are happy to welcome Pauline Juma joining us from Kenya today. Pauline is from Kajiado. She is a mother, a storyteller, and the director and founder of Rebirth of a Queen. We are happy that you can join us today. Thank you so much, Pauline. Thank you. We have so looked forward to talking with you, Pauline, and we'd love for you to tell our listeners about Rebirth of a Queen. So Rebirth of a Queen was founded in 2019 by me, and the purpose was to just empower survivors of sexual violence and to be specific, teenage survivors. Because as a teenager living in the slums, sometimes when you go through abuse, you have no one to talk to. You know, when I was growing in Kibra, everyone knew Pauline as a rebel. You know, the rebel, the 13-year-old rebel who does not listen to anyone, the 17-year-old rebel who who just loves hanging around boys. That is what the society judges, judged me without wanting to hear my story. So when I founded Rebirth of a Queen, it was a way of me empowering the survivors and uh, giving them a space for them to just be themselves. And... Uh, Setting up a safe house, that is the rebirth of a queen safe house, was to take away survivors from the perpetrators because the reality is out of 10, it's only one case that goes through. So we have nine survivors who live with their perpetrators around and they keep torturing them and uh, traumatizing them. So for us, the safe house was just to give these girls a safe space for them to heal and also to empower them, to give them an opportunity to go through education, even when they're teenage mothers, to give them an opportunity to live life because, you know, there's life after an, an abuse. There's life even when you're going through trauma. I'm some Someone who believes that there is another side of trauma and uh, if we dig deeper, we will find it. And uh, that is the purpose of Rebirth of a Queen. We've just started our fourth year. We have a resource center apart from the safe house. We have a resource center that is intending to also empower the community, create awareness on uh, sexual and gender-based violence through arts poetry, storytelling, through uh, economic empowerment projects, and just to let the society and the communities be aware that gender-based violence is a pandemic. And the more we want to silence it, the more we are affecting a generation that is coming after us. Mm. So, you know, sometimes I give people an example that this is Pauline Juma. I don't even know what my generation is. But there's another generation of my children that I call them a microwave generation, you know, they want things faster. If we are the survivors that are raising children that we traumatize every day because we don't heal, how will they raise their children? 
So sometimes when I think about gender-based violence, I think about intergenerational trauma that we pass through innocent people because we went through trauma. Mm. So I think that's all about rebirth of a queen. People called you a rebel. Mm-hmm. And what were you doing that your community thought was so rebellious? I was born and raised in Kibra. It's, you know, it's the largest slum. I think it's the second in the whole world. People call it a humble family, but we were poor. But I grew up always with this dream of being someone who's better. And at the age of 13, I started noticing violence in, uh, in my community. And I was always the one who would question my mother, mom, why is this man doing this to this woman? Or why, why are people fighting in the first place? I was always the girl who spoke her mind as a teenager. But when I was 16, when I went through sexual violence, I started shutting down. I became quiet. And in my quietness, I used to heal by surrounding myself with, uh, with boys or with men because I felt like in them, that is where I'll find security. And you know that in a community is you being rebellious because you are a girl. You need to be around girls. Why are you always with boys? They are not your age mates. They are older. Most of them are gang leaders. In fact, when I was 19, I lost around 13 friends around me because they were all gang leaders. They were killed. But for me, I used to find a consolation in them because I used to tell myself if my perpetrators came today and see me with this kind of people, they will not attack me. That was what I used to tell myself as a little girl. And by that time, I never told anyone what happened to me. When I was abused, these are the words that stayed in my mind for so long. If you dare speak, we are going to kill your mother. So I was a 16-year-old daddy's girl, but I was not ready to lose my mother. So for me, my silence was my mother's life. You, you said something earlier that in the community that you grew up in, there was a narrative that others had of you. Yes. What was the story that you were telling yourself when you were growing up? My mother reminded me at the age of nine, I told her that when I grow up, I will open a children's home so that I support other children who are poor. Because for me, I never wanted to see anyone suffering from the time I was just very little. When I was around 10, I wanted to be a journalist because, you know, for me, education was the only way I was going to get my mother out of a house that used to leak sewage. That was the only way I knew that I was going to get my mother out of Kibra. You know, by the time I was 16, when I was abused, I took time to really know who I was because by the time I was 16, I was done. I was like, no, there's nothing that actually can come out of me I live my life the way it comes. So before age 16, I was a very vibrant, very energetic, a girl full of dreams. I wanted to get off Kibra, but after 16, it took me seven years to realign myself once again to my dreams. After you began closing down, after you were sexually assaulted at 16, how did you reconnect with your power? The first time I spoke about my story, I was 23. That was seven years of silence, of trauma. I just learned about mental health, I think, three years ago. 
when uh, just a friend told me, Pauline, you know, we have to take you to a counselor or a therapist just to, because I had tried to attempt suicide six times. Because for me, after defilement, I felt like I, I no longer have a life to live. Even the school fees you, you got, the scholarship you got, I lost it because I couldn't go back to school. You are a girl full of dreams. You just want to go to school. You just want to do things out of the comfort. And here you are, you're losing everything. One of the greatest values that I have in my life is resilience. In one way or the other, I always know that I'll bounce back, whatever I go through. I don't know how, but I just survived seven years in silence. But uh, what really helped me was writing. I used to write a lot of poetry. In fact, the first time I spoke up, I spoke through a poem. I just went into Facebook and, you know, what is is on your mind? I wrote a poem, I wish I was 16. I wish I would go back and and, uh, not trust my friend again who led me into being abused. I wish I would just go back to a 13-year-old girl and live the life without trauma. That was the first time I I just uh, spoke out and uh, I think that was the beginning of my liberation. When I was 23, I founded a foundation for girls because I love modeling. I love being on the runway. I love catwalking. That's anything that really gets me out of any trauma. So I started training girls modeling in Kibera before I moved out of Kibera. And uh, when I was training a 13-year-old girl, it was like I was forgiving myself. It was I was like I was looking at that girl and I saw my dreams, my hope in them. When I was training a 16-year-old girl, I was also healing from the pain I had to go through and the silence. So that is how I coped for, you know, seven years, just trying to remain silent. I used to write a lot of poetry. I was always the girl who was trying to make sure the girls around her are okay because, you know, deep down I knew what had happened to me and I was actually reacting to the fear that I had because of what had happened to me. In one of the stories that you shared on sayitforward.org, you talk about forgiveness. You know, do I just wake up and forgive one day? And so what's been the journey of forgiveness for the things that have happened to you? I think for me, forgiveness has been a process. I have a mother who will always remind me that forgiveness is not for any other person. She will always tell me that, uh, Pauline, forgiveness is for you. You know, you can't carry all these people around you. You can't carry all this burden around you. You know, she spoke that to my mind for the longest time until these days I'm learning before I react to someone. Let me take time and forgive myself. Let me take time and, uh, you know, forgive myself for the patterns that I've allowed to repeat themselves because, I am holding so much bitterness within me. So for me, forgiveness is always a process. If I want to forgive and see you again, well and good. If I want to forgive and actually block you anywhere, that is also my forgiveness journey. If I want to forgive you by actually telling you what I feel and telling you the truth, I will do that. But for me, it's always a process. And something else that I did intentionally also is to disconnect forgiveness from religion. You know, sometimes when you go for advice 
from a spiritual leader and they tell you the Bible says forgive. And I am like, God knows that I'm going through pain. And you know, the love that I know God has for me, he can't allow me just to shut off this pain by saying that forgive, 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 forgive. So for me, it's been a journey that I appreciate every day. And actually, coincidentally, I think on, on, on Saturday, I was doing forgive, uh, forgiveness therapy for myself. I was forgiving some things that are, that are the patterns that, are, uh, that repeated themselves in 2022 so that I, I just start my 2023 with, uh, with a lot of peace from within. I'm so interested. You said that you did forgiveness healing for yourself. How did you do that? I love writing letters to myself. So whenever I feel like uh, I'm not okay, I write letters to, you know, the years I felt like I honestly didn't live. And most of the time I write letters to the 16 to the 23-year-old girl because to be honest, those were seven years of my life that I just existed. I never did anything. I was full of bitterness. You know, I used to come from one mistake to the other, from one pain to another. And it's pain that I attracted because of the bitterness that I had in my heart. You know, you're not trusting people. You do not want to speak to people. So you're holding pain within you. So I love writing letters to the former girl that I was, to the child that I was, to the 28-year-old girl that I am right now. I just love writing letters and reminding this girl that, you know, we are in a journey. Number one, don't judge yourself, love yourself. It has really taken me time to just look at myself in the mirror and smile. It has taken me time. I am a huge fan of writing, of all of us writing letters to ourselves. Yeah. I, yeah. I lead two women's circles mm-hmm. virtually online that anyone, any woman anywhere can join if, if the time mm-hmm. zone works for her. And in every one, we do that. So you, you know, you are running this organization. It's been your own healing journey, but also there's the, and I don't know if it's a, I wouldn't say burden, but just you're carrying the healing journey of so many other girls. How do you take care of yourself? How do you make sure that you are not so entrenched in, in, in you know, carrying that kind of burden, I guess, mm-hmm. where it impacts you? So how do you find rest? Something I am learning running a CFOs is to say no. When you say yes, 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 you end up burdening yourself. I have learned to say no without actually having tears in my eyes. I'm like, no, why have I, why have I just said no? I, I wish I would have said yes, but you know, I don't have the capacity to help girls above 30 or above 25. I only have the capacity to help a girl from 10 to 19 years, that is what I can do. And uh, I don't think rebirth of a queen is an obligation. It is something that I wake up wanting to do it out of love, out of kindness, empathy, and just spreading my positive vibe. This point that you've just made, Pauline, about saying no, that is really hard for me. It is hard for me to say no. And it's something that I have heard many women say, this is Mm -hmm. so hard. How do you actually, in the moment where someone is asking you to do something for them, how do you find the strength to say no? It's tough. You know, I'll tell you, uh, let me think about it. Then I just go 
sit down with it, ask myself, does this thing nourish me spiritually? Does it nourish me socially? Does it nourish me economically? If there is a part of it that says no, I will not do it. Purpose always comes first. Am I doing this to make someone else's life better? And how is it going to improve my spiritual life and my social life because I am one person who loves being around genuine people and forming a community of people we can move together. Something that I have to be honest about that I've struggled with it being a survivor of sexual violence is saying no to men. That one I've struggled a lot. I have struggled with it. You don't even want to hear what this person is telling you. Sometimes these are men who who just come to your life, they have connections or they are they have a higher power. And you know, being a young woman in Kenya running an initiative and you need funding, sometimes you find yourself vulnerable to people who want to abuse you. So at first I was really struggling because sometimes you say no and you, you go back and feel guilty. You're like, now I've missed $30,000 because of saying no to this person. How am I going to get another one? How am I going to fill this gap and this gap? So I think for me, it's in faces. When it comes to rebirth of a queen, I will say no. How can we all encourage other women and girls to confidently use their voice and claim their power? I can't miss to say this word that it's a journey. If you can tell your story through dancing, please dance. If you can tell your story through modeling, just model. If you can tell your story by being a painter, just do what you can to tell your story. For the longest time, we've been told not to tell our story, but the best person who can tell your story is you. I believe we all hold our pen to tell our story in our own way, in our authentic way. Tell your story in ways you can tell your story, in just ways you can feel comfortable about it. You know, there are days I don't like talking about my stories. I'll write a poem. There are days I really want to paint. There are days, you know, I want to listen to music. If that is what inspires you to tell your story, just do it. Sometimes it's it's fear. Sometimes, you know, it's anxiety. But in that moment, we need to learn how to you know, overcome that fear or even do it afraid. You are amazing. Thank you. Thank you so much for finding the strength to tell your story in all the ways mm-hmm. that you have and, and then not being selfish with it and, and inspiring so many other young girls um, in your communities. Mm-hmm. And thank you to our listeners, as always, for listening to this episode of the Power of Stories mm-hmm. podcast. Thank you. I am... Um... So grateful that you agreed to talk with Yodit and with me today and to share some of your stories with our listeners because they are truly inspiring stories. We wish you so much success with Rebirth of a Queen and the work that you are doing to help girls. Thank you. I appreciate it. Thank you, Yodit for our journey together and for everything that you do with me in my life, including sayitforward.org. And we send out big thanks to Lisa DeJavine, who is the co-producer and editor of the Power of Stories podcast. Pauline, Mm -hmm. is there anything else you'd like to say before we sign out? 
No, just to tell you, thank you so much. And thank you for creating a platform where we can just speak without feeling like I have to filter my words. And for me, it's been healing. You know, sometimes I write and I'm like, whoever will read, just read. And thank you, Yodit, for being there with Sharon. Thank you. Thank you all for making the world a better place. I appreciate you and I love you all. Thank you. And to our listeners, we invite you to visit sayitforward.org, a place where you are welcome to share one or more stories about your unique path to empowerment. Or you can read the stories of other women and girls. This is Sharon Catherine D'Agostino and Yodit Kifle-Smith signing off for now and hoping you'll join us for our next episode of the Power of Stories podcast. If you enjoyed this podcast, we do hope you'll give us a review and recommend the Power of Stories to a friend. And lastly, we want to remind you of the power of your story.